Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all all your diseases? Who redeems your life from destruction? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies? Who satisfies your mouth with good things, that your youth is renewed like the eagles? The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. For as as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him, and his righteousness to to children's children. To such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, who you, you, minister, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. If you've got your Bibles with you, um, have them open at Psalm 103. I think you'll find it really helpful. We're going to be going through the whole, the whole psalm, almost verse by verse, hopefully, if time allows. Um, so if you have them, it'll be helpful for you. Now I wonder, if I were to ask you, what is the reason that you have come here this weekend? What would you answer? What would you say? Maybe some of you would say, well, I've come here this weekend because there's some cracking bookstores up there and I'm hanging around and I'm saving till after lunch because I know that they knock off 80% of all the price of the stuff up there. And I'm going to be mooching around up there and I'm going to get some great books. Maybe that's the reason you've come. Maybe not. Maybe it is. It's a good thing to go and look at them. You might be saying, well, I've come because you know, I, I suffer from this thing called the UBM blues and I, and I get home from, from the week and... And I never appreciated just how great Ross was as a leader. And so I've come here just to see his face again and just to give you that smile. And, and hopefully I've done that for some of you this weekend. Uh, maybe just coming to meet others. And that's a good reason to come too and um, to see other people. Maybe you might be here saying, well, you know, it's just one of those things that's in my diary. And I always come. And I've been coming for years. But it's great to have you along as well. But is, that, is that the main reason? You might be saying, well, actually, I just love coming and seeing what God has done over the summer. Seeing how he's worked, seeing how he's been changing people's lives and influencing people and working through people. That's a great reason to come to you. This psalm here says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. This morning, as we look at this psalm, I just want you to keep this in your mind. 
that as we come, whatever else you might be here for, one of the main reasons should be, shouldn't it, to bless the Lord. You might say, when I look at my life and the circumstances that I'm currently going through, it makes it quite hard to bless the Lord. I, I just think of some of the things that I'm facing, and I might be suffering from illness and ill health, or I'm concerned about those that are. And, and these pressures kind of build in on my life. And, and if I'm honest, I find it difficult to bless the Lord when I look at that. You might say, well, <laughs> I'm just so worried by my financial situation. My job's on the line. I'm concerned. Or it's the children. The pressures of bringing them up and teaching them well and, and the issues they're facing at school. Or we might say, I would bless the Lord more, but why did God make me this way? Why, why, why have this? Why, don't I like that? why am I like that? And maybe have self-esteem and other issues that you struggle with. Or you might look at things that have happened to you in the past. And you say, okay, some of these things other people don't know about, but, but there have been things that have been done to me that I can't let go of, and they stay with me, and they bug me. And, and if I'm honest, they affect my relationship with God, and I, and I don't praise God and bless him as I should. Or it might just be, <laughs> you're struggling in your relationships with other people. And all these things, they, they kind of come in and they... They take up so much of your time and there's so much of a distraction to you that at the end of the day you say, look, I'm just so concerned with all these things about myself, all these external things that although this psalm tells me to bless the Lord, I find it difficult. Maybe that's where some of us are this morning. And if we're honest and if we would admit to it, maybe that's where we are. But as I've been reading through this psalm and as I've been studying it for myself, it's really encouraged me and challenged me to ask myself the question, do I bless the Lord? Do I? Do I bless the Lord individually, by myself, personally? Do I ever sit down to just spend some time praising and adoring and worshipping God? Bless the Lord, O my soul. How can we do it? Well, this psalm tells us. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. But the first thing is, where do you bless the Lord from? Is it from the external circumstances that are surrounding you? No, you bless the Lord from within. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. It's from within, it's from your soul. It's not, it's not the circumstances around you that are causing you to bless. Primarily, it's from within, from your soul, that you bless the Lord. Verse 2 then goes on to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, it's so easy to forget what God has done for us. Do you find that? It's strange, isn't it, how we can remember things that people have done to us years ago. And we hold grudges. And when people have said things and done things and it's hurt, we hold on to that. And yet, bizarrely, we can so easily forget what God has done for us. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That verse there, forget not all his benefits, that word, what, what is it that God has done for us? Now in this psalm, as you keep reading through, the psalmist starts to unpack, look, this is why you should be blessing the Lord from within, from your soul, because let's just go through and look at some of these things. Because of this, that, and the other. 
And there's a whole list of what God does. But as we read through, did you notice in verse 8? Verse 8 is a little different. It's not saying what God does. It says what God is. Verse 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. It's like verse 8 is a, is a banner over the whole psalm. Um, I hope you forgive me. I, my mind works very much in pictures and images. Uh, and so I'm just trying to help put on the screen what I'm seeing in my brain. But, but there's this banner, as it were, across the whole psalm. Verse 8, which says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. This is what God is. And then the rest of the psalm goes to unpack This is how he shows. Because he is merciful and gracious, this is what he does to you, to me, as a believer. So let's just go through for a few minutes and work through verse by verse and see what God does for us. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3. Who forgives all your iniquities. He forgives. Sorry, is that a bit small? Hopefully you can see it. He forgives all of our sins. All of them. Every single one. The ones that you think are ugly. The ones that, well, they are ugly. The ones that you maybe think are too bad for God to really truly forgive. Forgive, forgive. He said, no, all of them. All your sins. All your iniquities. Notice it says, who forgives. It's the present tense. God forgives. Keeps on forgiving. Yes, everything in the past is forgiven. Everything today is forgiven. And everything going on into the future is forgiven. He forgives. Second half of verse 2. Who heals all your diseases. You know what it is to have a guilty conscience, don't you? You know what it is to, to just feel dirty and unclean inside. You know what it is to have regret, and to say, oh, if only I hadn't. And it stays with you. And maybe it causes worry, causes grief, causes depression in some cases. And yet, what do we read here? What does God do for us? He heals all of our diseases. That guilty conscience is wiped clean. It's refreshed. We have joy. We have peace. We have relief. I've got a friend who has done some things that have been very foolish, sinful. And he's, he's not owning up to it in this way, but really, he's got a whole load of problems that are now coming out in his life. And deep down, the root of many of them is sin. The things that he's done. The conscience that he's carrying with him. And he's looking for all these other things to, to try and appease it, to try and get rid of it, to try and sort it out. The only true way for a clean conscience is to be healed by the Lord. Verse uh, 4 goes on to say, who redeems your life from destruction. Now this is what God has done for us. These are just some of the things that as you pause and think, this is what my God has done for me. He redeems my life from destruction. Imagine you're a slave. You've got a bitter, cruel master. Beats you half to death every week. And you're living your life in misery and you know that the end is only destruction and you're just waiting for that day when you don't rise from that next beating. And then someone comes 
and they redeem you. They buy you out. They rescue you. They save you. And it's not something you've done yourself. It's not something you can contribute to. They pay the cost. They pay the price. And they save you from that situation. They redeem your life from destruction. That is what God has done for us. We look forward to, and in our sin, all we can see is the destruction that is coming towards us. We see the punishment that we have, and yet the Lord Jesus Christ steps in. And on the cross, he pays for our sin, and he redeems our life from destruction. Next, uh, the second half of that verse goes on to say, he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Imagine you're that slave that's just been saved and, and redeemed from that terrible master. It's not like we're just taken out of his house and just dumped on the door outside and, well, here's a fiver. Go look after yourself now. No, what does that verse say? Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. It's as if we're lifted from the dunghill to sit amongst princes, given honour and dignity. Verse 5 goes on to say, Who satisfies your mouth with good things. It's only in the Lord that we can be truly satisfied. Do you know what it was before you were a Christian? To be always chasing, 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 and still empty. Michael Phelps um, is the most decorated Olympian of all time. I was reading an article recently, and back in, well, a couple of years after 2012, after the London Olympics, his coach, Bill Bowman, said to him, Michael, you have all the money that anybody your age could ever want or need. You have a profound influence in the world. You have free time. And you're the most miserable person I know. He's got everything. And he doesn't satisfy. And yet in the Lord Jesus Christ, he satisfies our mouth with good things. He is the one, the bread of life, the living water. Second half of verse 5. He is the one that renews, satisfies, satisfies, and then renews, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We're made a new creation. We have new life. With it. Yes, our bodies are decaying and, and growing old, and some of you maybe feel that more than others. But inside, we're being renewed. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 4? Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. It's getting old. But the inward man is being renewed day by day. God renews us. He makes us alive. Verse 6. What does he do? The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He protects. All the wrongs will be righted. God is the one who will sort it all out. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? That frees us from holding on to things that have been done to us in the past. Sometimes you read about people who, some crimes have been committed, maybe it's been committed against a family member, maybe someone's been killed, and they struggle to let go of it. And there's this battle then, it goes through the courts, and it goes through all these investigations, and just goes on and on and on and on and on, for year after year after year, and it's eating away their life. And yet for a Christian, they can say, it's in God's hands. I can leave it with him. He's the one that protects. He's the one that makes sure righteousness is done. Verse 7, he reveals himself, he makes himself known. 
Verse 7 says, He made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. God doesn't just leave us just to try and find out who he is, just to try and work it out, grope out there in the dark. He doesn't leave us just to come out with our own idea of what God would be like. You see, when people do that, it's far from the honour and dignity that the true God should have. No, what does God do? He reveals himself to us. He shows himself. He's given us his word. And we can see what he is like. And his acts to the children of Israel. He shows us who he really is. And then we come to that lovely verse in verse 8 that we've mentioned already. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Then verse 9, what does God do? He will not strive or will not chide with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. Here, he disciplines us in love. When we sin, yes, God disciplines us. But it doesn't go on and on and on and on and on. It's for a purpose. It's for a reason. It's for a time. Do you like being disciplined? I don't like it. It's not comfortable. It's not pleasant. It's not nice. Yet discipline actually shows that someone loves us. In Proverbs we read, He who spares his rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. And in Hebrews 12... We read there, my son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you are going through a time of discipline now, it's not because God hates you. It's because God loves you. And he's doing it for your benefit. He's doing it to to conform you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in verse 10, lovely verse. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Isn't that tremendous? God has not dealt with you as you deserve. Just think this last week. Think what you may have thought or said done. Think it when you've, you've snapped and you've lost your temper. Maybe you haven't shown respect to your parents, to your teachers, to your boss. You've despised authority. You haven't honoured your spouse. You've had jealousy. You've had pride. You haven't loved the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. The list could go on and on and on. And yet we read here, he does not deal with us as our sins deserve. Why not? Because instead he deals with the Lord Jesus Christ as our sins deserve. And as Jesus Christ died there on the cross and all our sin was poured out on him, he took what we deserve so that we don't have to take any of it. You look at that list of ten things and you say, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Just look at what he's done for me. Isn't that tremendous? Now, hopefully you're saying, wow, when I look at that list, when I, and we've just scratched the surface here, we've just blown the dust off the cover, you can go into each one of those ten things and dig it out more. And in here you start to see, this is why I should be blessing the Lord. This is what God has done for me. This is what God has done for my soul. 
And at the end of the day, what does it matter if my career has been successful? My soul is safe with God. At the end of the day, what does it matter if, if I'm not blessed with good health? My soul is safe with God. You might be still be looking at this and, and you see and I say, well, yeah, I'm just starting to see how wonderful this is. How wonderful what God has really done. But I'm still struggling to grasp it. Well, keep reading. And the psalmist helps us. Verse 11, it says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. As high as the heavens are above the earth. Just think of the stars out there. They're so far away, we have to measure them in light years. Can you grapple light years? Can you understand that? Travelling at the speed of light. And we can't really fathom the dimensions of space. And the psalmist tells us here, that distance, that distance that is too big for you to understand, that's how much God loves you. That's how much his mercy is towards you. As far as the east is from the west, in verse 12, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. If you get in a space rocket and you travel out east, and someone else gets in a space rocket and they travel out west, and they keep travelling and travelling and travelling, they will never meet. The further they go, the greater the distance. And this verse is telling us that's what God has done with our sin. Your sin that you're so ashamed of, it's gone. Your sin that you sometimes think, could God really forgive me of that? It's, no one else knows about it, but it's gone. It's forgiven. The sin that still makes you weep. It's gone as far as the east is from the west. You see these huge dimensions. That's how great God's mercy is towards us. That's what he's done with our sin. Then in verse 13 and 14. And yet, despite such vast dimensions, God is a God who is intimate. As a father pities children, so the Lord pity those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are but dust. A father, they would step in and take the pain of their child if they could. Have such compassion, such tender care for their child. That's what God is towards you. As your child. He knows your frame. He remembers that you're just but dust. Sometimes we get ideas of greatness, don't we? We like to think that we're something. God is confused. He remembers that we're dust. You see that on the one hand, and then what are we like? Keep reading down, verse 15. For as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes. The wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. You are just like a delicate little daisy, a little flower in a meadow. And the wind passes over it, petals are blown off, the next day it's gone. And after a while, you're not remembered. You think back, to, think back to your grandparents. How much detail can you tell me about them? Probably a bit. How about your great-grandparents? Do you know what they did? Your great-great-grandparents. Do you know their names, even? Your great-great-great-grandparents. What do you know about them? I know absolutely nothing about mine. We tend to think that our life is so solid. 
everything seems to revolve. I'm one of the most important people here in this room. And yet in God's sight, we're just like a flower. It comes and it goes. And when we consider ourselves, this is what God is like towards us. His mercy is so great. He forgives our sins so lavishly, so completely, so wholly. And consider, he does that to you. You, who are so insignificant. You, who are just like a shadow. Just like a worm. And God does that for you. Is your heart starting to say, Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing that for me. I bless the Lord with my soul. He's shown all of that love to me. Verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting on you. That delicate little daisy in a field that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow. So everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting, on you. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Before the foundation of the world, he's chosen you, he's chosen me. And his righteousness continues to children's children. He'll always be the same. His mercy continuation continues to generations to come. He will be just as faithful to them as he is to us. He's just as faithful to us as he was to those Christians 500 years ago. God does not change. Now hopefully, as you've been going through this psalm, you're saying, oh, oh, I should be blessing the Lord with my soul. Look at what God has done for me. But who did God show all this mercy to? And I'll just finish with these final few ones. Who does God show all this mercy to? Look at verse 11, verse 13, and verse 17. A little phrase that comes in there. Verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy towards those who fear him. Verse 13, As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who, what is it? Fear him. Then again, the same in verse 17, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. Let me ask you that little question then. We can come and rejoice because God's mercy is so great to those that fear him. Are we people that honour, that reverence, that respect the Lord? Are we people that are bowing the knee to him and saying, Lord God, I respect, I honour, I fear you. Not only those who fear him, it says in verse 18, to such as keep his covenant. Those who continue to trust in the finished work of Christ. In the second half of the verse, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. To those who are obeying him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. This isn't just a universal thing to the whole world and This is to people who love and honour and fear the Lord, who are forgiven, who are cleansed. You may say, well, as I start to look at my own life and and I start to see some of these things that God is doing, and I look at the list of those ten things, and I would encourage you, go through this psalm by yourself later and unpack these things more in more detail. 
you may say, initially I think that sometimes I get carried away with looking at myself so much, I'm distracted from blessing the Lord as I should. And yet we read in verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His kingdom rules over all. Despite the chaos that you may feel in your life, God has established his throne and his kingdom rules over all. He reigns. He is a God that can be trusted and he is a God that has saved your soul. Your soul is safe. And so then the psalmist finishes in verse 20 in those last few verses. Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works and all places. It's like there's a crescendo. And the psalmist is calling all of heaven and earth to come and bless the Lord. And finishes with that final phrase there, verse 22. Bless the Lord, O my soul. I hope I've just whetted your appetite to pause, to think. What has God done for my soul? Think of all the goodness that he pours out on me. And take the time to worship him, to praise him, and to bless him. Shall we pray?